the very latest from our local ag industry. The Farming Show with Dylan Honkoop is next on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. Attention homeowners, this is John Barron from Barron Heating, AC, Electrical, and Plumbing. And I'm Brad Barron, CEO with some exciting news. Barron is offering free precision tune-ups and 50% off service memberships to homeowners. As a family-owned and operated business for over 50 years, we strive to be just that, a family you can count on. The areas we serve are growing fast, and the call for HVAC, electrical, and plumbing has never been higher. The Barron Technician School helped us grow to over 30 licensed HVAC service technicians, ready to help 24-7. Our strength and trades partnerships paved the way to Barron's new upfront pricing. Our customers can now easily weigh their options that meet their budget. Our commitment remains the same, improving lives in our community. If you called us over the past three years and we are at capacity, please know we were as disappointed as you. Because of this, we're offering a free precision tune-up and 50% off service memberships to new customers now through September 30th, just to give us another try. Barron Heating, AC, Electrical, and Plumbing. Our mission, improving lives. At Puget Sound Energy, we're proudly aspiring to reduce our own emissions to net zero and to go beyond by helping others reduce carbon across Washington. Together, we're investing in local renewables, strengthening the electric grid, helping customers switch to electric vehicles, innovating with low-carbon resources, supporting our communities, and saving energy along the way. Together, we're creating a clean energy future. When you want a project done right, you do it yourself. When you can't do it yourself, you call Honkoop Gravel. The dedicated professionals in Honkoop have been serving the area since 1975. Since then, the company has expanded into a full-service civil contractor with state-of-the-art heavy equipment and GPS control capabilities. From drainage systems to large-scale site development, they'll do your custom projects too, turning your dream idea into a reality. If you need site work, you need the team at Honkoop Gravel in Linden or at honkoop.com. Farmers, salmon advocates, and many others joining together in a coalition to ask the governor of Washington for help with a program they say is important to the future of salmon recovery here in Washington State. We've been talking about this since this whole fiasco the news of this fiasco broke here on the farming show good morning to you on your saturday i'm dylan honkoop here on kgmi this is the farming show and as you're probably aware if you've listened to any uh, this show for any length of time there's quite the um nexus between farming and fish and you know there is a history of some disagreement there, but I think more and more people are seeing how those two can fit together and in a positive way. And that's been the story of a lot of work the farming community has done in the last 20 years or more being involved with salmon recovery along streams. And in a lot of cases, allowing um, and, and cooperating with projects that convert some land along streams to habitat restoration. Um, providing trees and other kinds of um, buffer to shade the streams, to provide water filtration, to make streams healthier for the salmon uh, that live there and and come to spawn there. Of course, uh, I'm getting to talking about this CREP 
situation, the Conservation Reserve Easement Program, um, that, you know, as we've talked about, has run into some trouble within the the past month or so. And uncovering uh, at the federal level a mistake that was made uh, two decades ago, now causing the cancellation of a bunch of these contracts in this program, the program making it possible, making it feasible for a lot of landowners to do this because it provided some compensation for the land, the the productive farmland in some cases, that they were losing by planting it into trees and turning it into, into a buffer along the stream. It, there was a give and take there. Now, because of this error, the whole program is up in the air in a lot of ways. A lot of trust has already been lost. And farmers and salmon advocates together, groups that, you know, in the past didn't get along so great, honestly, are now going together to the governor saying, hey, uh, can the state of Washington pick up uh, what the feds are letting go and keep this program going? Otherwise, we'll not only lose the contracts that we have here uh, currently that are being canceled, but it's going to hobble these kinds of programs way into the future. Joining me right now is former Whatcom County Councilman and current CREP uh, program participant and landowner, Rudd Brown. Welcome to the program this morning. Good to have you here on the Farming Show. Um, first off, I know from hearing from others who have spoken to you about this, and we haven't chatted about this yet until just now, this situation hit you pretty hard because you were very involved in the CREP program. You had multiple properties enrolled in this. Well, Mark, welcome. I'm uh, sorry. Thank you for the intro, Dylan. It's good to talk to you and to, to be involved with your listeners again. Yeah, I've, I've been focused on this as a key way of, of sort of balancing habitat, uh, conservation, um, housing and um, farming, actually, trying to find the, the right way to sort of take a piece of property and and find the right mix as to what stays in agriculture, what needs to be protected as critical habitat and what should be served as housing. So, yeah, I've been very involved in this for probably 10 years now. Well, and as you summarize that there, I mean, that was one of the thorny issues that would come up time and time again, still comes up with the Whatcom County Council and certainly during, during your time um, there on the council. Um, so you've been involved with this for a long time. You know the political backdrop. And having properties involved in it yourself, you've seen the success that can happen when this comes together correctly. Yeah, I've seen the success. The other thing I've seen, of course, is it's a significant commitment on the part of the landowner, both in terms of the, the amount that you land that you take out of, say, agricultural production, whether it be used for you know, grazing cattle or growing hay or or vegetables, but it's also the, um, the, the it's not cheap to do this. It you know costs between a thousand and three thousand dollars an acre to install the crep planting. And if the if you don't have the revenue for it, and you then want to say you know find another way to pay your property taxes for the land that you've got, then you've got to rip out the the, the crep to return it back to agriculture, and that's another several thousand dollars per per acre. Never mind the cost then to the stream of undoing the good that had been done there in collaboration with all the parties involved, including the landowner and potentially a farmer, right? We're going backwards when we need to be going further forward. Yeah, and I've met a lot of people over the years have also put in crap, crap, and they share your view. This is sort of a win-win. I'm 
required to put buffers in. Uh, I want to protect the stream. I'm supportive of water quality and salmon habitat. And this provides an economic means of doing it. Mm -hmm. And then for older farmers in particular, you know, you, if you take that land out of production, then that sort of a, a little bit of additional income balance with their social security you know, gives them a, a, a fair retirement. Well, and you know, a program like this is something that uh, addresses the con ongoing concerns that folks have with um, proposal after proposal at the state level about mandating um, buffers, at least, and there are a variety of concerns about some of the proposals that have been made in terms of um, the fact that they would be, you know, some of the proposals have been inflexible and very large. And, and a part of that that this addresses is the, the idea of uh, taking of land, uh, loss of value there, not just in the, the value of the land itself, but in the loss of the, the productivity there. Um, this program shows that, that it can be done if compensation is fair and there is an actual program for it rather than people just basically you know feeling like they're having their land stolen from them there have been concerns though in the in the farming community about being involved with this kind of stuff and now what has happened with this program certainly has caused a lot of people to say see you just you can't get involved with this kind of stuff you can't trust it you, this is involved with the government um, I'm not having anything to do with this anymore. Um, what would you What would you say to those folks? I mean, I, I know you're in a similar situation and you're frustrated, but I think we're all hoping for a solution here. Well, I think the thing that's most surprising to me is, um, and I you know, perhaps don't share the same level of distrust from government overall, but you know, I spent a long, prior to serving in the council, I spent probably 30 years running an international business. I've dealt with a lot of legal issues in a lot of different jurisdictions. I have never in my life seen anything where I've entered into a contract and the person on the other side has turned around and said, I have unilateral ability to cancel a contract that has actually passed the statute of limitations, which is six years. So the contracts I've got are uh, eight years old. And technically, they should be unchangeable, even if there is an error. Um, so that's sort of staggering to me. And, and, the, and the, the idea that they made a mistake, therefore, they can turn around and cancel it and settle me and everybody else with the financial consequences. That is, you know, frankly, my business career was unprecedented. Yeah. And that's exactly what I said from the get go. Uh, the idea, a contract at its basic you know the basic concept there is that, you know it's a an agreement between two parties and both have to agree and then both have to abide by that contract and the idea that they can just renege on that contract because what they're the federal government so they don't have to hold up the their end of the deal the I think the term that I was quoted uh, using in the Bellingham Herald article about the the latest on this um, from yesterday was was that it, it, there's a it creates a chilling effect and it you know I think it could create a chilling effect far beyond even just this issue how can you how would you engage um, in a contract with the federal government if they're saying well sorry we're we're from the government therefore we can we have the ability to break this contract and I mean, this isn't even talking about the, the potential that apparently existed there at the beginning that where they had apparently behind the scenes been talking about forcing people to 
pay back what they had gotten for these contracts. I mean, thank the Lord that that's not the case anymore, but the the attitude that that should even be a possibility to me was mind-boggling. By the way, we're talking with Red Brown, uh, former Whatcom County Councilman, current participant in the CREP program. He's got multiple properties enrolled in that. Rudd, have you ever heard of any, I mean, you're saying that already you haven't heard of any sort of, you know, government in particular or anybody treating a contract this way. It, it sounds illegal to me. Well, and, and when you talk about federal regulations, the federal regulations for the statute of limitations for contract disputes or, or you know, um, being able to claim that, you know, this is not a, a valid contract. That's six years. So the USDA is is actually not following federal law. And then the thing that's really bizarre to me is that the, the way this was presented is that they have no choice. They must cancel these contracts. And the truth is that's a rule that governs the state operations of the USDA. But the federal rules for which the Secretary of Agriculture has full authority to, to uh uh, use is they have the right, uh, Congress has, has given them the right to simply say, okay, well, there were some errors here, but we're going to not hold the, per- we're not going to hold the person who acted in good faith, which was the landowners, we're not going to hold them responsible for the errors of the USDA. So, the, so my point is the federal law allows them to make this problem go away immediately. The federal law, as I read it, says you can't go back and redo these contracts after six years. And yet they're trying to breach the contracts and they're not using the tool they have at the moment to, to solve the problem for the for the landowners. So that's the bizarre part of yeah. it. Well, and at the end of the day, what we're talking about here is is money, right? And they're, they're saying they don't want to pay and then again, like you're saying, they're claiming that they're just—it's impossible. They can't do it. But I think any you know normal person on the street can see how the government has been throwing around money the last few years. Um, well, this and, is- and to this specific issue, the the amount of dollars that are dedicated from the government, from the federal government level and other government levels, uh, to fish restoration, salmon restoration. Um, makes this look like not even a mist in a bucket. I mean, they're, they're talking about, you know, billions upon billions of dollars to potentially mitigate the negative impacts of breaching dams in the Snake River, yet they can't find something to continue on this program that is proven to help that is a fraction of that. I mean, it, it, it does not make sense to me and a, and a lot of other people, and it almost feels like there's something else going on here. Like they're trying to get rid of this. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I think. Well, first off, the the the, con- the conservation reserve enhancement program, the CREP program, is the single most successful conservation program in U.S. history. It's been going for decades. The, the amount of money we're talking about in Whatcom County, while it's in the millions over the over the of the next 14 years in terms of the rental contracts that are still left to run. It's a rounding error on a rounding error in terms of the, the federal level that they spend on CREP. So, you know, if you ask me why they're doing it, I think someone's embarrassed that they dropped the ball and they can't be seen as, as you know, supporting the continual payment of these things from a mistake that they made. I don't know who that person is. But the, it's, again, I'm just flabbergasted because I've never seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. 
Is there any sense that you're getting um, that there may still be a federal fix to that? I'm hearing from multiple folks who are saying that ain't going to happen. The feds aren't going to fix this. And this is why we need to look to Washington state now to see if they can come fill the gap. Well, I can tell you as as I read the federal regulations and for those who are interested, it's under title seven, part 718.303, which is, Reliance on incorrect actions or information, right? As I read it, the, the, the only federal action needs to be taken is the Secretary of Agriculture needs to sign off on, on using this section. It's fully within his authority. Um, as to why that's not going to happen, don't know. That's, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't have a crystal ball for that one. Mm-hmm. What about at the state level? What are you hearing about the prospects there? You know, this is with the backdrop of what happened in the last legislative session in Olympia, where there was another, uh, as we were alluding to earlier, another buffer proposal, um, as we have termed it here, where I work at Whatcom Family Farmers at times, depending on what the proposal is, a big dumb buffer proposal because it was big buffers that were inflexible, not smart, um, and tailored to individual properties. We had a lot of issues with that. Then, lo and behold, so did others. And a wonderful bipartisan group of Democrats, Republicans, farmers, tribes, etc., all came together and came up with a, a nice compromise proposal on that to work saying, okay, let, let's I- I- include everyone's concerns and still work on buffers here. They came up with some money um, to do that. Unfortunately, Fortunately, the governor didn't uh, sign off on the program, but the budget did include some funding for buffer work like this. And I think that's what the these folks are saying. Hey, let's use some of that. This this program is exactly in line with what that was supposed to be about. Have you heard, Rudd? Is is that a, a possibility at this point? What are, what are the tea leaves? I guess uh, that you're reading in Olympia. Well, I'm not that, you know, to be perfectly honest, since I left the county council, I've devoted a lot less time to what happens in Olympia than I did before. <laughs> um, but I think the, you know, the, uh, hopefully what's going to happen is that there'll be an awareness within Olympia that the new money that is going towards the habitat um, and salmon is, is frankly going to be wasted if we let go of the existing buffers that are already in place. And remember that the stuff that's already there but it's the high priority stuff. Mm-hmm. It's the stuff that made it through, you know, the, the the filters. Well, you know, I've got property A we can invest in or property B. Well, property A has got, you know, um, much more presence of salmon. It's much more intact. There's better water quality. We really want to protect and enhance that. And so the dollars, we, you know, the, they focus the dollars on the stuff that had the most impact. And if you turn around and, and pull all that, uh, you know, over a thousand acres of habitat protections out. Uh, what are you going to do then? Focus on all the other stuff? It, it doesn't make sense. And and the chilling fact as well. Why would a landowner, after seeing this go down, why would a landowner enter into any kind of contract of this type with the federal government again? Or anybody, well, really, bad, because I think that the, the halo effect in a negative way extends to any government contract, whether it's state, local, or otherwise. Yeah. We've known each other for a while, Dylan. We're probably on different ends of the political spectrum. But on this particular point, I completely agree with you. And I I have focused on environmental issues my entire professional career. Uh, I've looked at the at the projects that I worked on now. I've seen the, the federal government CREP program as a key part of, of making those things work, to find that balance between 
farming, um, you know, habitat and housing. And you're right. I don't. I I could not do another project like this again, uh, trusting that the federal government is going to honour its commitment. Because if they're allowed to walk away from these projects because they say, "Oh, we made a mistake," you know, we, we're sorry, the mistake was 20 years ago, but we made a mistake. Um, you know, but please sign up for the next program. <laughs> and my comment is going to be, and in 10 years, you're going to tell me tell me you made another mistake as well. Yeah. I mean. Um, that's that's not a confidence builder. Yeah. Well, and and what you mentioned there about you know different backgrounds and different perspectives, I think that's what's interesting about this current situation is there are people with um, very differing backgrounds, people who maybe don't agree on a lot of things, who have come together um, to work towards you know some kind of fix to try to save the program, save the day here with what uh, has happened. Again, Rudd Brown, former Whatcom County Councilman um, and uh, current. Uh, Crep contract holder and the conservation reserve easement uh, program uh, for you know helping stream restoration with us here on the program this morning. Rudd, thank you so much for your time, and uh, let's see what happens here. I, it will be interesting to see who steps up to the plate. Uh, again, I'm hearing that it's highly unlikely the feds are going to do anything to make this right. Now, as far as I'm concerned, the ball is moving into the state's court and will Governor Inslee and or someone in his administration uh, move to um, to fix this issue? And I think if they don't, it, the, the future for these kinds of projects is, is dim. Um, Rudd, thanks again for your time this morning. We appreciate it. I appreciate it, Don. It's truck season at Kendall Chevrolet of Marysville and the perfect time to step up to a new Chevy truck. With Kendall discounts and truck season incentives, you could save thousands. Call it late summer or early fall. Either way, there's plenty of great weather to get out and enjoy all kinds of outdoor fun. With new arrivals of Silverado trucks, shop an outstanding selection and take on some new adventures in a new Chevy truck. Right now, you can save up to 8700 off MSRP on a new 2023 Chevy Silverado 1500 LT. Your price at Kendall is only 47105 find new roads with thousands in savings and a massive selection of silverado trucks stop by kendall chevrolet of marysville and get a truck season kind of deal today kendall let's start something great and number pz 189920 all financing out of credit price is not include taxes title or license a negotiable documentary service fee of up to 200 dollars may be added to the sale price of the vehicle subject to fire sales to the details offer expires 9 23 Get ready for game day at Lummy Bay Market at Exit 260, and you just might be driving home with a new TV. Every Friday through the end of September, Lummy Bay Market will be giving away a 65-inch Toshiba television. Next time you stop at Lummy Bay Market, make sure to say hi to Sasquatch, take a selfie with him, and despite those rumors that he's shy, Sass loves to have pictures taken of him and with people. Post to Instagram and tag Lummy Bay Market. LBM, Exit 260, and you're entered. A name will be randomly selected each Friday and you just might be the lucky winner. Lummy Bay Market is where you'll find the best value on gas and diesel. Make the Lummy Bay Market your first or last stop of the day for fuel, food, and more. The Lummy Bay Market, just off I-5 at exit 260 on Rural Avenue. Open 24 hours. Lummy Bay Market, where there's more in the store. And don't forget to say hi and get a picture with Sasquatch for a chance at a 65-inch TV every Friday in September. 
KGMI Connects with Joe Tian is about our community and you. you got a great program. You want to make it better? I do. Okay, here we go. For one hour of John and Rich. <laughs> and you are the referee. Join us each weekday at 4 p.m. for KGMI Connects. Those two guys are like Abbott and Costello. On KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Harness the power of the sun, reduce your carbon footprint, and save on your energy bills. You can now go solar with West Mechanical Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electrical. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. Suddenly a lot more people around here talking about water and their future, the future of their property. You know, this is something, if, if you listen to this program at all, you know we've been talking a lot about this for a long time. And particularly uh, in the last three years, maybe a little bit more, um, been talking about this in earnest, uh, which is when the uh, whole situation that we're facing right now really kind of got rolling, at least in the phase of it that we are. There's decades of history with water in our community here in Whatcom County, the Nooksack River Basin. And a lot of it has to do, of course, with fish as well as farming in our cities and everyone who lives here. Welcome back to the Farming Show. I am Dylan Honkoop. Glad you're here on Saturday morning. And I, I hope that you're paying attention to this issue of water. And if you are just new, to, you know, there was a big event um, in Ferndale talking about this, brought some experts together, some consultants. And I've been suddenly hearing from a lot of folks about what's happening with what people who I can tell have weren't paying attention as closely. And that's okay. I understand this is complicated, difficult stuff. But I think we're at the point where more and more people are realizing this isn't just about, you know, if you have a farm or not. This is about mm, pretty much everybody in our community and particularly people in rural areas that uh, have their own private well. And that was a bulk of the the conversation at this uh, event that just happened in Ferndale. Joining me right now with the Ag Water Board um, Administrator uh, Henry Beerlink on the phone. Henry, you and I have talked about this issue many times. I've talked about it. I have had lots of other guests on, farmers, experts, Fred Lickle, our um, you know, mutual colleague here has been on talking about this but you know because it's such a big thing and because it's so complicated a moment like we're having right now as a community where more people are joining the conversation might be a good time to rewind just a little bit and get back to why in the heck are we even talking about this in the first place where where do you start with someone who's just connecting now saying hey maybe i need to get caught up here yeah, good morning, Dylan. Uh, that that's a very good leading question, and uh, in fact, that was was not one of the questions that was dealt with at that forum Wednesday <laughs> night. Um, but I think it underlies everything: is why are we doing this? 
uh, why are we bringing an adjudication into the Nooksack Basin, um, which could last, you know, decades, it will last decades, most likely, and not solve that many problems and maybe create even more uh, from our perspective, farmer's perspective. But, mm-hmm. you know, what this forum was about is um, is bringing is never some of many of the consultants that work on these issues that we hire and work with a contract with them. They said, hey, we see something coming here that people are going to be very confused by all the things coming forward. We'd like to be able to put together a bunch of information to kind of head off some of the concern. So make sure people know a little bit factually what's going on and how they might prepare for the adjudication, which is likely to start probably early next year sometime, probably spring next year. And what is that that, you know, as a I guess, nutshell summary, what is it that people need to know is coming their way? Well, I, they should have a, some idea what adjudication is, but they know, first of all, they need to know what their water situation is because everyone who is using water, um, other than those who are part of like a water association, a water district, or a city, which are municipal water, Um, will have to file um, a claim on what they're using and how long they've used it and what are they using for. And all of that, um, you know, you want to do that right and you want to know what your water right is and how to file, um, what's a wise way to file for this. Uh, All those kind of things are involve some knowledge of where you stand and how what's the, and some advice from other experts and so forth on on how to file for the adjudication. Um, so that this was sort of a process of you know, what tools you could use to learn more of these things. And, um, you know, it might have been overkill for some people and for others. It was very detailed information that will be very useful for them. Yeah, I, I've seen reporting recently, uh, including uh, WhatcomNews.com, well owners across Whatcom County to be required to prove their water rights in court, which... As a side note, that's something that we've been saying for a long time here on the program. But, hey, I welcome anyone who's uh, just tuning in, not just to this program, but to this idea. That's essentially what adjudication is in a very basic nutshell, right? you got to prove your water rights in court, and you got to be, as you're just saying, prepared to do that and be ready to do or have already done the paperwork necessary for that court case. Indeed. Um, that may sound kind of onerous and scary, that kind of a statement, but it's correct. Um, that is what will happen. It will be held, the adjudication will be held in Whatcom Superior Court. Ecology will be, the State Department of Ecology will be the, um, well, what's the proper terms, but I guess you could use, they're suing. They're going to sue yeah. uh, every water user that has a water permit or a water exempt well or whatever it might be for them to bring forward the information that would then validate their water right and then put it in order. Uh, the way this water law reads is the most senior whites get to use all the water that they're entitled to before the next one gets to use it and on down the line and should there be a water shortage somewhere the most junior user needs to stop using water Um, and you keep moving down the line up that ladder towards the senior users until that water shortage is dealt with Um, that that's kind of scary if you think about it especially the most senior water right will likely end up being flows in this in the stream for salmon um, that means water, people who drink water, use water, cities, all those kind of people, farmers, uh, private well owners are going to be behind that list, behind the salmon needs. 
Um, think about that a little while. Um, that's the law. I don't want to scare people, to try, mm-hmm. but I think they need to be well-informed of what an adjudication does. Well, the big question there that, that's in my mind right away is what happens when that very most senior right, which, as you mentioned, very likely will be flows in the river. I mean, we think of a water right as a well or or the ability to pump out of a stream uh, and someone gets a legal water right for that. But this would be something even before that is the right uh, of fish to have water in the river for their survival. Let's say, and, and it has to be determined, I suppose, in court what that amount of water is based on the time of year and what the run of fish is and a whole bunch of science there but let's say that is determined and it's determined x amount of water must be there and that is the water right and that particular water right the very most senior water right is not being satisfied let's say the river is below what that water right is right what happens then yeah Uh, that's a pretty good question the law says the junior user cuts off so everybody Um, and well that's right. Um, that's what the law says. Now, will that end up being the situation? Uh, you know, we know that there'll be a lot of things happening, but that's what the law says. And, you know, we already have some people that have been impacted by it. In fact, all the streams in the Nooksack Basin do have a water right set on them for stream flow. The Nooksack River and the tributaries, they're on two-week increments on which the flow is set. And that was all set, and the, and the, the date was 1985 when we went through that in-stream flow setting. So if your water right is 1960, you, you're more senior than that right. So you're pretty safe at this point until that water right might move ahead of you in an adjudication. So they'd we move have, it in time, essentially, right. so it's the right. most senior, the oldest, probably exactly. dated to exactly. time immemorial. Exactly. So we already have, for example, we have about oh, ten, nine farmers in the nooks, right? That pop out of the nooksack that didn't have the auto rights with that set up, or they had some private well, there's some wells, and they ended up getting a water right in the 90s. So it's later than the 85, right? Mm-hmm. Those rights now are provisional water rights, and they are able to pump out of the river probably in June. But in July, August, September, when the river is below the flow set for them, they don't get to irrigate. Um, that's the situation that we have right now already. And that's just a small little yeah. segment for a couple farmers. But a, a snapshot of what the future look, right, could look right, like for exactly. everyone, not just exactly. farmers. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> you know, uh, and I, you know, a lot of people say we're using scare tactics. And so I, I, I would challenge anyone to look at the law and understand this and say something different. If we're not about trying to scare people, we don't, that's not what we're trying to do, but we do want people to understand what the implications are. And it, it's very dire for agriculture. And, um, and I, I think for the whole county in terms of understanding how it's going to grow, if it's going to grow, how we're even going to be able to maintain the water we have right now. And the real estate community is starting to figure that out, mm-hmm. I believe. And that's why there were 452 people show up at that event in wow. Ferndale this past Wednesday. And 
Yeah. We kind of, when we, you know, I'm kind of used to putting on programs that you hope 50 people show up and, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, 452 and we only had 300 chairs and, wow. uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's, um, beyond it was, standing room only. Yes, exactly. In a hot room. So, wow. By the way, uh, it's Henry Beerlink with us right now here on the farming show. He is with the ag water board of Whatcom County and has a huge amount of history in both, uh, farming and advocacy and water law and and knowledge of water rights in this community. I'm Dylan Honkoop, and this is The Farming Show. Uh, We're talking about this issue again. Yeah, we've talked about all these things before, but we're at a moment in our community where this adjudication is looming, this court case. um, Again, the court case requiring all water users in in Whatcom County to prove uh, that they have a right to do so, uh, as we've just been describing at least the the skeleton of that concept. And, And trust me, the the uh, detail can go as deep as you want to dive. <laughs> it's almost irreducible complexity right. on this whole situation if we really wanted to describe it. But we're at a moment in our community where I, th- I think it's because it, it's coming up so soon and because some of the coverage and because of this meeting that we were just talking about that just happened in Ferndale that you know was beyond standing room only that more people are saying, hey, wait a minute. I need to know what in the world is going on with this. What, what, how am I at risk? And what, what am I going to do? What, what would you, how, Henry, how would you describe the overall tenor of the, the crowd in that room in Ferndale? And, and what kind of, what were they being told? And what kind of questions were being asked? Um, a real mix. I mean, we, Department of Ecology was there. And uh, as they typically do, they, they kind of smooth over the wrinkles in an adjudication mm-hmm. uh, and your point to the good things that might come out of it. And that's not untrue, but there's, I might call it half true. Um, it's, um, they mm-hmm. kind of go, they kind of gloss over the, uh, the, the problems that might get come about. And I think yeah. they don't fully understand what, especially, Maybe that, especially for farmers, they I don't think they fully grasp what's going on and how this community's been struggling with water for 30 years and more. Um, you know, then the other the consultants, I really were more technical. They kind of gave the science behind some of this and, and also the uh, technology that's available in terms of looking up your water right, looking up um, your parcel data, all the things that you can do online where you can do some of the preparation and you don't have to hire a lawyer or consultant to do all that kind of stuff. And, and I think that was appreciated and by at least a a certain number of the community. And then there's others that are kind of, their eyes are reeling and, um, and they're going, uh, what am I going to do with this? How am I going to handle this? um, Was it your sense that a lot of private well owners in this County, when this issue first came up and we first started talking about it much more frequently um what would that have been 2019 when we were hearing rumblings that they were going to start the process of of adjudication and then in 2020 when they actually brought the idea forward and said they were going to pursue um you know that case and the funding and all that is it your sense that at that point a lot of these private well owners thought well or there was a sense that it probably wouldn't apply to them or there might be another option and and maybe people are kind of realizing they're more culpable than they thought Uh, that's certainly true um for one uh there's never been a big basin ground that include groundwater before Uh, adjudications usually been focused on surface water issues like yakima that was strictly a surface water issue not didn't involve groundwater and wells and so forth here this is the first time groundwater is going to be included in this large there's been some real small isolated adjudications like on the lummi peninsula in the past but 
But for a, a whole basin to look at the groundwater and how it affects surface water and that interrelationship and then who's got the worst, most senior water, right? That This is something really new. And, um, and then Ecology also started, at least, and they said this the other day again, that um, they're going to try, even they're going to ask the court to kind of make some easy routes for the individual wells uh, owners, that those that are private well owners that only use it for their home. Um, they wouldn't be able to irrigate their lawns and all that stuff, but they could at least maybe have an easy route uh, to just have enough for their house. Um, I, that, that they could ask the court that, but the court doesn't have to agree. And, um, and agriculture is put in a really tough position because uh, we're kind of, you know, nobody's going to say that a 500 gallon a minute uh, use a 500 gallon a day uh, limit, mm-hmm. which is what the, is would be given to the house is a huge impact on that. But on the other hand, um, are we are we simply going to say that those then have priority over agriculture? Yeah. An agriculture right of 1940s or 50s somehow doesn't is it is junior to a um, the houses that are built in. 2020 that's um, an excellent point you know that it, it, it's really a recipe for what everyone knows is going to happen here is rural sprawl you know is we're going to just have houses pop up all over the county and then argue yeah, wh- wh- why would you farm why wouldn't you exactly. try to take that land that now you're having a right. heck of a time irrigating or can't irrigate right. it at all and grow crops that can actually pay your bills and so you're right. able to pay your bills what's your so other you option sell, going to be this, this, yeah right. how, how can right. i uh, put houses on this because uh, that's the only way i have left to make money well that, the only the only uh, way to even pay your bills you know so yeah it's you know i, I don't think anyone's thought well we We've thought through all that, right. you know, but I don't think any um, leaders, uh, government leaders at both the state and the county level have really figured that all out yet. But we'll keep saying it, and I appreciate your your programs helping us do that. So, well, thank and, you. and thank you for being here on the program. Thanks for being there Wednesday night and, and the work you do with Ag Water Board to even organize that. Get all those consultants and all those voices there. Uh, real quick here before we wrap, uh, because we got to run to the break here. Um, what would your message be to someone who's just cluing into all this? I know there were some very concerned voices and people who were kind of newer to this conversation at that Mm -hmm. meeting who were pretty upset, not knowing what to do. And, you know, I've talked to people since who were even at the meeting saying, well, I guess I didn't really, you know, they were pretty fatalistic about it. I don't know what's going to happen other than I guess I got to figure out where to get a water meter and and the state's going to start monitoring my water. Right. Uh, well, first of all, don't panic. I mean, not all those things are true. Uh, there's no light meters aren't necessarily going to be required. Uh, we will have the um, posting of this online in the near future of the um, the event was recorded and videoed and recorded. And actually, Gavin, our counterpart, is working on putting that together. And we hope in the next couple of weeks um, that will be up and maybe on our website, but it will certainly be on the Wyrill One. Um, com, which is this countywide water management board website and get a lot of water information on that is wria1.com um, th- that site should be up there. that would be helpful to review that the other thing uh, is that the county was given uh, you know 150,000 uh, i think for every year for the next couple of years to help rural kind of the small water users prepare for the adjudication mm. I don't think the county's figured out exactly how they're going to do that, but I think um, as um, as people get concerned about it, they ought to be asking the county to say, "Well, how are yeah. you using that money to help me here?" 
um, and give them a little time to figure it all out. Uh, they're working on that. But um, be aware that the county is going to have um, some help for you on that legal and technical stuff. And and uh, I would be probably more prone to go to them than ecology also is willing to help. Um, and I know that they mean that. They are willing to help. And uh, But, you know, it's a little harder to kind of trust somebody who's suing you than mm-hmm. to give you legal advice than than um well, then maybe somebody a third party so. as we've talked about before in a variety of different ways it, there is and we don't have time to get into it but there is a different way about going about all of this through a, a negotiated settlement right. process where we right. actually come together rather than in an adversarial process in a cooperative collaborative process figure out who goes where with what and yeah make some hard decisions together as a community is that right. is the spectrum still, that even still out there? Yeah, and that's moving forward. We've got a great legal team that Waterboard has hired, and they're leading a lot of this. Uh, but also the PUD attorneys have been very good, and the tribal attorneys have also been very involved in kind of trying to uh, set the table for that because that would do so much more for solving some of our problems. It would address land use issues. It would address flooding, water quality adjudication doesn't do any of that all it does is line up who's using water and puts them in order and senior to junior so that's it so the bottom line is if you're really worried about this you need to be supporting and and joining the movement to encourage our entire community and different voices perspectives you know places that people are coming from to get everybody on board with something like that um and we can deal with this in a different more positive way as a community, Henry Beerlink uh, with the Ag Water Board of Whatcom County, and you can find them online. Also, follow them on social media. The Ag Water Board of Whatcom County is on Facebook, so check that out, and you'll get updates and probably a link to that video there, one way or the other, coming up in a couple of weeks. So make sure to follow there. Henry Beerlink, thanks for your time on the program this morning.